Here we go! Hello everyone, welcome to Beyond Nintendo and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This week we will be taking a look at this week in Nintendo or this week at Nintendo, can't remember what I'm calling my news section. We'll be taking a look at what's coming out or what has come out, talking about the reviews for Persona 5 Strikers and Bravely Default 2 if you're looking to pick those up, talking about the charts and did you guess last week's sound of, yeah, guess, guess last week's sound effect, all that and probably a little bit more coming up after this. Beyond Nintendo is supported by Patrons over at patreon.com slash beyondnintendo. If you wish to support me for as little as a dollar, you can and get all my content early. Head over to Beyond Nintendo over on patreon.com. So a new week sees us talking about more news. And I think the biggest thing that happened for this week at Nintendo is we had a Pokemon Presents, which is Pokemon Company's very own Direct. A 20-minute extravaganza of everything that's upcoming for the Pokemon Company. And the interesting thing about Pokemon is it's like the third highest grossing gaming franchise behind Tetris. It's insane. So for the last 25 years, we've all been or not we've all been enjoying, we've been experiencing Pokemon in some format. Me, personally, I remember playing Yellow emulated on a PC on a floppy disk drive back years ago. And then was, you know, got myself a Game Boy Advanced and Fire, Fire Red. I think it was that one that I had. I can't remember. I wish I still had some copies of my older Pokemon games. But yes, 25 years has passed since the original Pokemon game was released. And as I said, we had a very, very good present presentation from the Pokemon company. And they announced two new games. I'm sorry, but I'm not calling the uh, split of two of the games, they're separate games. It's the same game, they're just splitting the Pokemon as they always do between them. But we did get, so before I get to those, um, it started off with this quite cool, snappy look back over the years or the last 25 years of um, the Pokemon stuff in this kind of four minute, four and a half, five minute kind of uh, little video package of everything that had been released to do with pokemon and it was a lot and they went through from the games the trading cards and different trading cards over the years coloring stickers um they did the anime the films and the different games of diff the different generations all the way through right through to now where they were showing different ways of how people have adapted to the current situation that most of us are all experiencing because I thought there was there was a moment at about four and a half minutes where it looked like they were doing a TCG over like augmented reality but it actually what it was was they were playing TCG over over zoom which, you know, showing that people have adapted in some form or another. But it was a really cool kind of montage of everything that had been brought out from the Pokemon Company over the years, including Go and everything else in between. And then we got to the first game of the event, which was a look on Snap. Now, I've never been the biggest Pokemon Snap fan. I never really played it on the N64, I think it was. And I'm happy that, you know, Snap fans are getting a game on the Switch. It comes out on the 30th of April and it just takes you through a Pokemon area where you're taking photos of Pokemon, essentially, and getting high scores. Is And there's probably a deeper mechanic to Pokemon Snap. And 
I won't be getting this one. It's not something I'm going to drag myself to the shops to buy. Uh, I'll, I'll wait for other people to review it for me and I can always follow up in that kind of sense. But it, it looks solid. You know, it's a really nice looking game. We want, you know, when we saw this previewed, I think it was last year, a mini direct or whatever it was, we wanted to see the next Pokemon game after Sword and Shield in this kind of design, a bit open world, a bit more free and that kind of stuff. And Snap really does show where they could go with the Pokemon series. And then you look back at Sword and Shield and it's almost like, well, you know, the Pokemon main series hasn't emulate, emulate or elevated its look in 25 years yes okay the graphics have got better or worse in some cases but the same style of pokemon game has been the same for 25 years apart from probably its biggest innovation is something like the uh, wild area but majority of it is root catch pokemon battle it in the same way you know and you have all these different pokemon like style games out there that are doing different things and the pokemon mechanics are just the same thing and snap does show that they can do it but they choose not to if you like but we were then treated to our second game of the uh presentation and it was the remakes and this has been rumored big rumors about this of um diamond and pearl and my fear was that it was going to be a let's go remake but it's not it's a fully fledged remake done in a bit more of a chibi art style which doesn't really bother me i never played diamond and pearl back on the um uh back on the ori their original systems but to see them come out and they look great i think they're, they're going to be fine i don't think there'll be anything wrong with these games at all um and it looks like they're staying obviously true to the, to the originals and it'll be cool to see how that'll link up with pokemon home and all the different ways you can get your pokemon in and out so yeah you, you were having diamond and pearl remakes and they come out i think around november and i suspect um here i'll get one and my lad will get the other but that looks cool as i said chibi art style so do remember that um but it's being developed by i l ica inc um, but it is being headed up, um, directed by um, Masuda, uh, and I believe he was the original uh, director on Diamond and Pearl back in the day. And it's called Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is the two names. So we've got an article here from, um, but this is off uh, the, directly from Nintendo. So it says here that um, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl enable fans to experience original story and game features from Diamond and Pearl in a fresh way. The original games have been faithfully reproduced and, colorf and colorfully revitalized for Nintendo Switch. The sense of the scale of the towns and routes have been carefully preserved and fans who played the original games will recognize familiar places. These games are updated with ease to understand to player-friendly conveniences introduced in recent Pokemon Core series video games, in addition to up-close and personal Pokemon battle scenes. I hope, like I said, that doesn't go to Let's Go, if that makes sense. Let's Go's fine and it's great for first experience of a pokemon game but i don't want all remakes going forward to be the let's go thing where you throw and yes it's a innovative way for you to for them to change the formula but i think that was changing the formula in the wrong direction there's nothing wrong with the battle system they could add stuff to the battle system to make it a little bit more complicated um but 
that mechanic is fine. The battling of Pokemon to weaken them, the whole catching thing like that from uh, Pokemon Go, I don't think should be in the core series. Um, carries on to say trainers will choose either Turtwig, Char uh, Chimchar or Piplup. Uh, to be their first partner Pokemon before setting off on their journey. Along the way, they'll encounter legendary Pokemon Dialga in Diamond and uh, Palkia in uh, Pearl. So yeah, that's... I mean, if you've played the originals, you'll know what you're getting involved in. Um, and that's those ones. So along with Snap coming out this year, we've also got a remake of Diamond and Pearl coming out later in the year, around November time. And then we saw something completely new that was coming in 2022 um and all we can all i can describe this is is like if breath of the wild and pokemon had a child this is what it was it was what looks to be an open world experience of pokemon which is basically what we've been asking for the battle system is fine they could add something to the battle system to improve it of course they can but actually doing an open world style Pokemon game is something different. And this is called Pokemon Legends Arceus. And at one point in the video, you saw a, a, a roll. And as they rolled into the grass, they threw a Pokemon ball. And it was literally, you know, as open world like Breath of the Wild. The video looked a bit choppy. The graphics looked a bit off. You know, some of the animations were looking a bit sort of 10 frames per second. But this was... You know, I suspect this was quite an early look at it. Even though it's coming out in 2022, it doesn't mean they could be a lot further in development than what they are. But at the same time, it did look a little bit rough around the edges. And it, it feels like the Pokemon company have finally got to grips of what the Switch can do. And they're developing for the Switch, not for a 3DS or a DS. They're actually developing for a system that has some power, you know, and... Could you imagine if they developed for something like a PS4 or PS5 or an Xbox Series X? That'd be incredible, but that's never going to happen. But there's a bit of blurb on the Nintendo website as well. The fun of exploring while catching Pokemon and filling in your Pokedex has always been the core part of Pokemon video games. Pokemon Legends Arceus was developed with the desire to deliver an experience infused with a new action RPG elements that go beyond the framework established thus far while honouring the core gameplay of past Pokemon titles. As trainers explore the natural expansive expanses in Pokemon Legends, Arceus, they'll encounter Pokemon that call these grand vistas home. To catch Pokemon, players can study Pokemon's behaviour, sneak up on them, then throw Pokeballs, and also battle wild Pokemon with their ally Pokemon by throwing a Pokeball, uh, holding their ally Pokemon near wild Pokemon. That was a mouthful. Let me try that again. To catch wild Pokemon, players can study Pokemon's behaviors, sneak up, up to them, then throw Pokeballs. Players can also battle wild Pokemon with their ally Pokemon by throwing the Pokeball, holding their ally Pokemon near a wild Pokemon. Players will seamlessly enter battle. This new gameplay angle is intended to provide trainers with an immersive experience. Let Pokemon Legend Arceus brings trainers to the vast Sinnoh regions as it has existed in the past, long before set the setting of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl was established. Rich in nature, the Mount Cornet towering as its heart, this is like a Sinnoh unlike anything trainers have experienced before as they embark to create the region's first Pokedex. What I would like to have done 
is in, I'm sorry if I had to repeat that, but the first time I read it, my brain kind of went bleh, um, is them to create a new region. I think, or take it back to Kanto and kind of kickstart the whole thing again. I think that unless they're going to give us a load of lore, a load of gumph to why we've gone to Sinnoh, you know, I just think it would have been nice to either go to Kanto or if this is going to be Gen 9, restart, restart it. But, you know, I can't complain. They're doing an open world style Pokemon. It looks like they're going to only do one game, not two, which is great. Because I think that's been one of my biggest uh, sort of takes on it all in recent years. I know or there was articles come out about Sword and Shield that this was originally developed for a 3DS and then they flipped it to the Switch. But I think one of the biggest downsides to it is they always develop two games. And in Sword and Shield, you've got certain different battles depending on, or certain different gyms depending on who you've, uh, which, which copy you've got, which is more development time. You've got, you know, different Pokemon in each game. Yes, they took out Pokemon and this, that, and the other, but it's all development time that they could turn all, that all off and concentrate their team on one game and make it the best game possible. I really think going forward, if they're going to make small changes to the core gameplay, they need to make the one big change and stop releasing the two types of Pokemon games. And I mean, what am I saying? They'll always release two Pokemon games because because that's the Pokemon company and that's what they'll do. But in Arceus, Legends Arceus, you start with Rowlet, Cyndaquil, and Os Oshawott, which is, um, so, um, Rowlet is from the Alolan region, Cyndaquil is from the Johto region, and Oshawott is from the Unova region. I'd like to know why we're starting with those ones as well. Interesting, uh, choice of Pokemon, and then you've obviously got Arceus in there as the Legend. So, it's looking really smart. There's, you know, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this whole presentation is there is a new Pokemon game coming next year, but it's unlike anything we've experienced. And we'll be watching it very closely to see exactly what they'll be doing with it. If you're into your in-game events, Pokemon 25th Anniversary has got stuff going on. In Let's Go, you can go catch Arctunio, Zapdos and Moltres and even Mewtwo in Legendary Battles from the Kanto region-themed celebration. Sword and Shield have a special Max Raid Battle event with a Gigantamax Pikachu. I think you can get uh, Pikachu with Sing as well. Um, in Pokemon Masters EX, if you play the mobile game, you can get Gala Region Champion Leon and his partner Pokemon Ch uh, Charizard. Do remember though, that would be, it's not like a free, I think you, you're going to have to spend gems on that. Um, and then there's some stuff for Pokemon Cafe Mix if you play it, 2,000, 2,500 uh, acorns. So that's everything from the Pokemon presentation. Did you watch it? Was it something you um, enjoyed? Let me know uh, the your experience from it. Um, and I'll tell you where you can get in contact with the show at the end. But that's the kind of the, the gist of it. Yeah, so Pokemon 25th anniversary. Overall news-wise, it's been quite quiet for, for Nintendo itself since their recent Direct. Um, but there's a couple of things that I want to go over. And this is quite an interesting article. Nintendo Life are doing a bit of a poll at the minute in regards to... It's only been up sort of today as of recording since I was 10. And it's, do you like the chibi art style in Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl? I think as well, it goes to say as well, there's a bit of a chibi art style in Bravely Default 2, which will come to shortly. And it's quite interesting to see that 27% in regards to the new Diamond and Pearl remakes with nearly 5,000 votes, have actually said that they expected more from the Pokemon games on the Switch. 
17% have said that they love it. 18% says doesn't really bother them. Um, and then there's other numbers respectively for the other categories. Um, you know, and the article here says that yesterday Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were announced for the Nintendo Switch. These game remakes of Generation 4, which originally released on the DS, is set in the Sinnoh region. The development is being handled by Ilka and directed by uh, Masuda, which we said. And they're doing it in, you know, and of course, you've probably seen for your reaction online that's the chibi art style these remakes have been have been mixed and it's been mixed the reaction and i think it agrees with this poll here as well i think i'm gonna put a poll out on my on my my twitter uh, in regards to this it doesn't bother me i mean i'm currently playing through bravely default 10 hours in and it hasn't once really kind of annoyed me i i like world of final fantasy it's not an art style that is offensive to me per se but i know some people dislike it for what it is i think it's um i think the chibi art style is a bit of a how do i put it i don't know how to put this the best way but it's a it's a way of making sure the games kind of stand up to the test of time because if you try and make the games look ultra realistic at some point they're going to or if you make them look a certain way in 10 years time they're going to look like trash but chibi art style i suppose doesn't really do that um whether it takes a lot more to make a game chibi style if you like i don't know but i suppose for some people this is quite this is how they expected the the remakes to look but what's your thoughts on chibi i'll put a, a poll on my on my twitter um but again you know including from watching the uh, Pokemon Direct itself, uh, or Pokemon Presentation itself, does the chibi art style, you know, does it offend you as a, as a fan of the Pokemon games? Would you rather something else, you know, the power of the Switch? Would you rather see them do something different? You know, we know the Switch itself can handle certain graphics because we've seen, you know, all sorts of games on there and they look great. We've seen games like Rogue uh, Company, and that plays at 60 fps and that looks great so you know i'd love to know why what the reason for this from the uh, the development team and the director why they've gone for this chibi style over something a bit different so yeah let me know your thoughts and feelings a couple of news highlights for you if you're into your Fortnite, there is now a ripley and a xenomorph uh, from alien in it so it's if the original Alien and one of its increasingly weird bad sequels may, made you hide behind the sofa in fear or the creepy hide and seek a game Alien Isolation put you in genuine danger of having to change your trousers, then it's time to get your revenge. The Xenomorph, a villain is terrifying that most films focus on merely the threat of seeing it, is getting added to Fortnite alongside the alien heroine Ripley. So if you can finally so you can finally humiliate the big nasty alien by making it floss. That's coming to Fortnite if that's your thing. Just to let you know about Monster Hunter Rise, that is also going to be a Pokemon Switch Pokemon? No, it's going to be a Nintendo Switch exclusive till 2022 when it's supposed to come out on the PC. So if you don't want to get on the Switch and you want to wait for 60 FPS and buttery smoothness in early 2022, you're supposed to see it come to the PC. So with that, this week's biggest releases have been uh, Debravery Default 2, which I'm going to get onto my early impressions shortly, um, and Persona 5 Strikers, which I haven't got. Um, but both have received quite good reviews on Metacritic. Uh, this one on Metacritic, unfortunately, is 
I think it's the PS4 one, but a Metacritic score of 83. I've heard it runs really well on the Switch and it's got a user score of 7.8. So it's done really, really well. And I've been told though, don't play it unless you've played Persona 5 or Persona 5 Royal. I'll be playing Strikers at some point. It looks great. I thought it was going to be more more heavily Musu inspired, but it looks like they've kept some of the Persona identity or more of the Persona identity than I thought. So that's really, really good. Bravely Default 2 has received 77 on a Metacritic score. With a lot of the scores themselves being digitally downloaded, gave it 100. Cubed 3 gave it 90. Uh, Nintendo Life gave it 80. Um, and GameSpot gave it 60. Telegraphed here gave it 40. So there you go. Make of that of your will. I will tell you from what I've played, the 10 hours I've put in so far have been a really good experience. The story is nothing to write home about. It's classic turn-based JRPG stuff. Uh, you're a hero of light and away you go kind of thing. But it's a good quality JRPG. I have been told there is definitely grinding um, coming up, but I've been doing that kind of as I go, if you like. It's not been like I'm going to have to get to a point I'm going, oh my god, I've now got to grind for 63 hours. But actually, genuinely, it's been quite a nice experience because the job system itself is really, really cool. You're going to have a main job, so you can choose a job, and I've only unlocked four. You start with Freelancer and Black Mage, um, and then you get White Mage and Vanguard um, when you complete certain things. Um, and I'm not going to spoil what that is, um, but you then can have a main job. So the character that I, that I, uh, your main character, mine's a Vanguard cross Black Mage. And as you play through it, you only level up your main job. So do remember that. So if you have a second job on you, which is a Black Mage, my main character only can use fire. But if I switch that and level up my, my Black Mage and grind that out as a Vanguard, I'd have a lot of Black Mage uh, skills to be able to use. And I've mixed up my team that has a different course of jobs, your main job, your sub job, and they can be mixed and matched as you please. And it, that genuine piece of customization is, is great from the start off, off. You do really do get kind of the sense of you can make a team as extreme as you want, or you can go in, you know, as streamlined, as hard hitting DPS as you like. You know, you can min max it or you can have a lot of fun. Um, and I like the Bravely and Default system. I never knew why it was called Bravely Default, but now I do. Essentially what it is, is you have an option or you have a button, button, you have a skill called Brave and you have a skill called Default. Default defends you for a turn, but you then get like one uh, default point. Um, and what you can do is stack these to three and then in one turn you can have use like three to four attacks in a turn. Or the other way is you can go brave, which means you're kind of pushing forward and you can go into negative numbers up to three. But again, you can spend three turns, but you are then kind of for the next three turns after that, you can't do any actions. So it really does become a choice of when you start kicking these kind of um what's the words I'm looking for? Kicking out your when you want to attack and things like that. And it is good to have that kind of option. And what I found is I'm playing on normal and it does kick your ass in places. It doesn't hold back. And that's good. Um, I haven't felt the need that I need to go up a tier yet. Um, 
and it has a really nice kind of open world map where you can run around you see monsters you can go you know battle those and then it has this really gorgeous art style of kind of like drawn um towns and i've only actually just done getting past the the first town again it's a chibi art style game the character models do look a little bit out of place where you know you look at something like um studio ghibli's nino kuni uh would be a better fit for the world that they've created here that would be a better fit i think but it's doing its job it holds the fort quite nicely and it's scratching that itch of real jrpg goodness um but i've decided that throughout march i don't think there'll be any games to be picking up if i grab monster hunter rise it'll be later in the year i genuinely want to start plodding through my backlog including bravely default 2 i got still complete xenoblade chronicles 2 i still got a complete dragon quest 11 s i got so many jrpgs to complete they're all going to be a couple of hundred hours each and i want to start getting through those so you know on 10 hours i can't really give a full review and i won't not on a jrpg i want to try and do a special episode where we do that review later down the line it's good i'm enjoying it so far um, i'm not going to score it i just recommend it if you like your jrpgs and you don't mind a bit of grinding the job system makes it a lot easier to kind of experience that grind go out and buy it go out and experience it uh, shop around though some places selling it for like 50 quids i picked mine up for 42 pound from from argos if you know what argos is those are listening but uh, shop around for it um but i don't think it'll be a game that'll be on the shelves for, for forever i think it could be a a shorter run print because it's one of those i think that's how these kind of games are it's jrpg that's worth getting go out and buy it another game i want to discuss because well i needed to do it is um curse of the dead gods yes there's a, another one uh, which you know i was thankful to grab this week and curse of the dead gods is fantastic it's an absolute beautiful top-down roguelike um if you've had your fill from Hades, go out and give, but you're looking for, you've got a roguelike itch, go out and give this a swing. It's um, published by Focus Home Interactive and it's been developed by Past Tech Games. It's got an 82% on Metacritic, it's got a 9 out of 10 on Steam and a 9 out of 10 on IGN um, for whatever those reviews mean. It's really, really good, but there's not enough light on this game because of hades i think hades is going to steal the thunder of any top-down roguelike and they'll make these comparisons to hades all the time and it annoys me because curse of the dead of the dead gods is its own type of roguelike it's a bit more slow it's a bit methodical it's a bit more i don't know how to describe it. i won't say hard hitting because hades is definitely hard hitting but it, it has its place where things like hollow knight and dead cells they all have those places in that metrovania roguelike Curse of the Dead Gods can live alongside Hades without it needing to be constantly com uh, compared. You play as a character who genuinely looks like he's out of Darkest Dungeon. You go into one of three temples and you choose your run and away you go. And you get a collection of swords, spears, bows, guns and many relics to collect along the side which helps you improve your character. Um, and you go in and you basically kick ass. And then once you die that's it you go back to get beginning and you start again unlike hades you don't have a set weapon so if you haven't played hades you'd go into this your weapon room and you could pick up one of six weapons that would be how you start your run and they have modifications which you could buy 
with certain crystals or certain items that power this up. In Curse of the Dead Gods, it's very similar to Dead Cells where you have these altars that you have to rebuild which have the weapons on them and they're randomized. I expect there's power-ups that you can get more weapons but Bravely Default 2 came out and I haven't had much more of a chance to play more of this. I will though. And that's the kind of the core of it. You pick your weapon, you go in, you slam a load of enemies and you either get to the end or you die and start again. As I said, you've got three different temples to choose from, which are basically the procedural generated dungeons, depending on the theme of the dungeon. That's what those temples are. And then you also have um, daily events. Um, and this is something quite unique and it's quite cool is that it will throw a daily event where you go on a run and it will essentially give you this um, like different challenges to do with this event. The other thing it does is it gives you the full thing in stages so it doesn't just throw you into a full run you'll get to a certain point of your run and it'll kind of complete and then it adds more and more on as you go until you're slamming into the full run um so it doesn't like give you this mammoth task of your first ever run being all the way through in like road likes gone by there's also this other core mechanic called corruption. So you can take damage as normal, that which can hit your head health, or you can take corruption. Now, corruption is this mechanic that adds a damage to you, which is and the higher it gets, it then adds things like corrupted boons or you know, um, I don't know what the words I'm looking for. Curses is the word I'm looking for. Where they can be good or bad. There are some that can help you. Some that can, you know, work against you. But the more corrupted you get, the more curses you have on you. And then the last curse, essentially, is a ticking time bomb to kill you. And as you go through, there are what they call corrupted doors or cursed doors, which add corruption. So it's almost like they've taken the mechanic from... Um, I just said at the beginning, Darkest Dungeon, the stress mechanic, and I've put it into a roguelike. And I think that's really interesting. It's a real unique way of making you choose your path. And some enemies will do corruption damage as well, so you can take that damage. And it's quite, quite funny. Uh, here's just a, a list of them. Um, volatile Remains, set your enemies on fire and they'll explode on death, hurting everything around them. Um, this one is damage taken is now split between your health and your gold pool staying alive but you stay poor which is a unique dark swiftness is you now fade from reality uh, when performing a dodge roll fusing yourself with the darkness and temples bite is spike traps will no longer require pressure to trigger spring, spring in, um, can you can lure your enemies into them and there's many many more um, it also has a like lights mechanic which is really strange so you can go into a um a room and it will be dark and you can get relics and boons to aid you if you you're fighting in the dark which can cause more damage but you can also light these altars and with this torch so you go in with this torch and you can light the altar and from there it's you you can get aid when you're in light and you can set enemies on fire so if you haven't played Curse of the Dead Gods and you're itching for a new rogue, like, do it. Go and play it. It's a really, really good looking game. Runs perfectly on the Switch. No, I haven't seen a, a frame drop even when there's loads of people on. Uh, uh, loads of enemies on the screen. The art style is Torchlight-like, if that makes sense. If you've played Torchlight 2 or Torchlight 3, it's got that art, art style to it. But it's great. Honestly, worth 
worth playing go and enjoy it it's a lot of fun and i recommend this today so i set a little challenge of guess that sound effect i'll drop another one in at some point uh from this point onwards you'll hear another sound effect but if you didn't guess it it was the gamecube startup uh, uh startup when you turn the gamecube on that was the sound effect that we uh we used for last week so again i'll play that here or somewhere and then i'll put the new sound effect in going forward it'll be a random spot you're gonna have to listen really carefully but yeah it was the gamecube startup screen um i got really nostalgic when i heard that i was like and it made me want paper mario even more and we did a list the other week of 10 games um go listen to that show 10 games i want on the switch and someone did respond on my tiktok i think it was and they said they want the sims on there and i think the sims is going to be a perfect fit for the for the switch if they ever brought it out uh, i mean who knows with ea they seem to support the switch one day and not the next But let's talk about the eShop charts. eShop charts. Um, and talking about all games. So this is all games. This is digital and physical. Uh, coming in at number one is a game I'm supposed to review this week, but I haven't got around to it because other games came out. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. I do need to review the Bowser's Fury part and finish Super Mario 3D World. You've got Among Us at number two, Little Nightmares at number three. Apparently that's very good. Number four is Minecraft still sitting there. Sitting at number five, which had a board game variant come out of it this week as well. Stardew Valley looks really good. Number six, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number seven is the uh, follow-up sequel, Little My Nightmares 2. I never played a Little Nightmares game. Number eight is Animal Crossing's new horizon number nine sees bravely default two well worth it should be higher up people should be buying that more uh number 11 again i don't know if i actually said number 10 was hades but i had to quickly stop the recording and start again super smash bros uh, ultimate number 11 overcooked 2 at 12 13 sees just dance 2021 Super Mario 3D All-Stars in at 14. How? Uh, Dragon Ball Fight at uh, Dragon Ball Fight to Z is in at 15. Um, my biggest surprise is at number 18 is Nino Kuni. That game is amazing. Uh, again, go buy it. Um, and still sitting in the top 30 is Super Mario Odyssey. Downloaded games. Number one is Among Us. Number two is Little Nightmares. Number three, Stardew Valley. Four, Human Fall Flat. Fat, flat, not fat, flat. Five is Uno. And there's no really kind of big highlighted games of that one, but they are the top five downloaded games on the eShop currently. Number 22 is Curse of the Dead Gods. Let's get that higher. I'd love to see that higher next week. Um, and then just a reminder that there is still the massive eShop sale going on. I really think you need to, if you really want to get some deals, this is the time to do it. Among Us is £2.72. We went through a load last week, but just to highlight some of the games, the Bioshock collection is £19.99, but you can buy each individual game for £7.99. So if you don't want to buy the uh, full collection, obviously this is pounds you know uh so but the full collection is 20 quid but you can buy them individually for like eight pound each i know over time if you buy all three that's 24 pounds and it's more but honestly if you just want to if you just want to pick one play bioshock one it's it's so good um doom is half price divinity original sin 2 is down to 3149 another rpg that you spend hours and hundreds of hours on doom eternal doom 3 eternal collection 
$24.99. And they announced at BlizzCon that Diablo 2 was coming to Switch. I don't think I actually mentioned that this week or last. I can't remember when BlizzCon was. But Diablo 2 is coming to Switch, which is really cool. Um, and one of the, our Twitch subscribers has said that they want me to play that as one of the uh, Twitch games. But that is, that is you know, there is a sale going on. Go and enjoy it. If you've if you got some money burning a hole in your pocket, then go and spend it on the, the Switch sale because there are so many games at such a ridiculously low price. Uh, these sales don't happen very often. Um, but when they do, you know, these big ones, Nintendo do drop some serious prices again immortal rising phoenix rising is on there i need to do my like immortals phoenix rising preview i'll probably wait to do the review of that but there you go that is it for the show this week thank you everyone for listening thank you everyone who is downloading subscribing if you are on itunes or spotify do leave me a review it helps the show out immensely if you are on the anchor app you can head over to google play or the apple app store and get the anchor app if you're not on it i mean and you can record a voice note leave it for me i'll play it out on the show and if you wish to get in touch with me you can do that on my twitter which is at that chaps app or you can head over to the um, Beyond Nintendo Podcast gmail.com. Send me an email, shout out at me if you wish. It doesn't bother me. I'll still read it out on the show. Um, and that's been it. Thank you very much. Um, again, I really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next time. Bye bye.